Welcome to the Thrills and Chills podcast brought to you by Sharebird and Clue. This is your show about establishing product marketing and being the first product marketer. I'm your host, J.D. Prater. Get your notebook ready as today I'm chatting with Robin Fontaine, the head of product marketing at Patreon. This company is another unicorn as they have raised a $155 million Series F back in April, bringing their total to over $400 million in funding. Wow. Get ready. This is going to be such a good episode, but let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Clue. Clue is the leading competitive enablement platform for product marketers that want to drive revenue for their business. It helps product marketers to easily collect, curate, and distribute insights that enable your revenue teams to beat their competition. Head over to Clue.com to learn more. And make sure to check out the Sharebird job board as there are lots of first product marketing jobs on the board. Robin, really excited to have you on. You're the head of product marketing at Patreon, just raised a Series F. You've been there for over three years now. Talk to me about that journey of establishing product marketing at this amazing startup. Yeah, absolutely. So Patreon is amazing. We're really having this moment right now where everybody is talking about the creator economy and getting involved, Facebook, Apple, everybody is jumping into this space. But Patreon has really been leading this whole movement since 2013. What it's really about for me is giving creators this path to actually own the output of their own creativity and creating alternatives to the attention economy and the ad-based economy. So it's, it's pretty exciting. Before Patreon, I was at Twitch and yeah. I loved my time at Twitch. I learned so much from that incredible community and had a lot of fun and had a chance to launch a bunch of big products. While I was at Twitch, I launched Bits and the Twitch affiliate program and Twitch Prime. And I also worked on the subscriptions team. So all of those things were hugely impactful for the company and for the revenue and high visibility. And and that was a lot of fun. But Twitch was like 1,200 people by the time I left. And so... Yeah, pretty big, a lot going on. And as one person there, even working on such impactful projects, it was hard to feel like you really could make an impact and have that influence on the product roadmap. So I was definitely looking to be at a smaller company that was a little bit earlier in its growth phase so that I could just be more involved in kind of influencing the roadmap and just making a bigger impact as an individual. Yeah, you know, and that's something too that we hear a lot. Whenever you think about coming in and establishing product marketing, it's typically because you want that that ownership. It's almost like that responsibility. You want that stress that's gonna you know give you the night sweats, right? Like <laughs> I don't know if anyone else, maybe just me, but I think that's a <laughs> lot of fun, and especially with like uh, with them Patreon, and you're thinking about that creator economy. Talk to me about like what you have going on now on the product marketing side. I mean, three years, was it always easy in the beginning? Like, did the team understand product marketing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, let's go back to the beginning because I really was brought in to establish the function. It, It didn't exist at Patreon before I got there. So came in and it was just me and I had a marketing generalist who had been with the company and was interested in product marketing, but had just been doing, had worn many hats at the company. She was great. She had like pretty deep creator knowledge already and knowledge of the platform, but it was just the two of us. And we started it at that zero to one place, just starting to build kind of 
the basic frameworks, like how do you launch a feature at Patreon? And it was a lot of fun. One thing that I loved in the early days is that when I was hired, I reported up to the VP of product. Hmm. So as like product marketing can sit within product or it can sit within yeah. marketing. And, but I loved being within product because it really gave us a chance to be totally embedded on the team. There was all this buy-in and kind of willingness to work with us. And we were just right there in the meetings, in the ideation sessions. And that was great. I loved that. Is that still the case? Do you, do you still report? It is the not. It is not still oh, the case. Okay, okay. So, uh, and, which is fine. I mean, it's been such a fun journey, but at that time, really embedded on the product team. And then we started to grow the team in addition to building those kind of basic frameworks. So soon enough, it was myself and two product marketers. And that was amazing. There was so much we could do. And we built things like your kind of launch tiering framework to kind of categorize new features as to would it get, you know, a lot of support in all of the channels, or is it a small thing that's going to get just like maybe a tweet and maybe kind of an in-product pop-up. So we built those kind of basic things in the beginning. But the other thing is the first project that I took on, as I soon found out after I got hired, is that Patreon was undertaking this project to completely overhaul its packaging and pricing. And so that project was my baby for the first year. So in addition to kind of just barely establishing the foundations of product marketing, it was doing this giant cross-functional project that really involved the whole company and was just a multi-stage giant beast of a project, but just such a great learning experience. A hundred percent. Pricing and packaging is, I mean, that's a fun one. When you think about the four P's of marketing, right? You're looking at very much important ones. And so I would actually be curious to learn a little bit more about that exercise, a year long exercise. What was that like? How did you tackle this problem? How did you roll that out? Well, it was very much a team effort, but it involved a large study, a kind of a survey, several rounds of focus groups in different cities across the country. And sort of the basic motion of it is, okay, we've got, when I started, Patreon was one product, one price, 5% of the creator's revenue for Patreon, and everybody got the same thing. And then the first round of like the survey is to learn what direction might we go in? Do we want to have kind of a good, better, best framework? Do we want to have kind of base plus add-on? And what came back from that first study is that it looked like the good, better, best model would work for, for most creators. That seemed to be the most attractive and kind of easiest to grasp. Well, what you have to do then is you've got to take all of the sort of value that's in the product and really break it into pieces mm. and figure out like, okay, If you've got kind of a basic package or a light package, what goes in that? What goes in that middle package and what goes in your premium package? And so we got a lot of signals from that early survey, but then we had to take that and come up with some proposals. And so we did that and we took those out to focus groups and there were a lot of iterations before we hit on the right (laughs) idea, but we finally landed. And today, Patreon has three different plans for creators, a light, a pro and a premium. Wow, that's pretty cool. And within that year, was that your first year coming in or that was year one? one. Wow. Because a lot of within like establishing product marketing, you want to get in these, you want that visibility, you want these high level projects, but it's also that strategy piece. You get to like flex that, look, product marketing is a strategic role. It's not just 
implementation, right? And it's so easy to get bucketed into that. How did you get to take on that project? Was it a conversation with the VP of products that has, this is what PMM owns, or did they already know that and they just gave it to you? It, it was just a given. Product nice. <laughs> marketing is coming in and guess what we have to do. But part of it is also the, the willingness to really jump in because the train had just started to leave the station. We're doing this. And it really took me jumping in and rolling up my sleeves and just providing that value right off the bat. What am I going to take on? How am I going to organize the project? And so that was part of it as well Is you really have to step forward and show that you're going to bring value to the table. Yeah, that's pretty cool. What, what a great project. The influence, the visibility, the, the value that's going to come out of that. As a follow-on, the last like two years, how often do you look at it? and go back to the pricing and the packaging and you think about it. Do you look at it yearly or do you say- Oh, I think about it all the time. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All the things I would have done, all the things that I'd like to do. We definitely think about it all the time, but it's definitely not something in it, and particularly a product like Patreon where our customers are creative people. I would say like in a straight B2B business, it's a little bit easier to kind of, it's kind of fine to maybe like update your pricing every year. But for Patreon, where these creators are somewhat like businesses and somewhat like consumers and every change that we make, it's like shifting the foundations of their lives. They've built these businesses on Patreon and this is their livelihood. So any change that we make affects them greatly. And we take that really seriously. So it's not something that we want to just keep changing on them all the time. It's very delicate. And one of the reasons it was such a large and challenging project was that We wanted to do this and we wanted to do it without too much disruption to the creators who depend on Patreon. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. So I I think about it all the time, but we're very careful that we don't want to just make changes willy nilly to the Patreon platform and pricing. Yeah. I mean, such a good point too. When you're out there thinking about it, the B2B, you might be able to iterate a little bit more quickly, but yeah, hundred percent. And you understand too, that this is also company specific. Maybe your company wants to iterate more often, and but sometimes you just need to leave it alone. So that story can also resonate. This is mm-hmm. the price and this is how people think about it. Cause I don't know if you found this to be true. I haven't, whenever I've changed pricing, there's a lag in what the market remembers and mm, knows, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so we would have customers coming back six months, nine months later going, wait, I thought it was this much. And you're mm-hmm. like, that was like six months ago. And six months in a startup life is like forever. And so we're like, oh, yeah. what oh, do you know? We've had this pricing. That's mm-hmm. not what the buyer was thinking about. I mean, they, they were evaluating right. maybe once a year, every six months, yeah. is this the right tool? And so totally. uh, that one, I'm glad. When you think about some of those early challenges, Maybe let's say like year one challenges, what were some of those and how do they compare to the challenges now? I feel like we've had to reinvent the way we work almost every six months because the company has grown so fast. And so the only constant at Patreon has been changed. I would say in that first year, the biggest challenge was the the pricing project. That was just giant. And it took so many people at the company to make it happen. So that was really the major focus for year one. Then after that was done, we shifted into this phase of, okay, now we're not necessarily about launching big things. We're going to iterate on the platform and we're going to make a bunch of small improvements here and there. And that was a whole new motion for the product team and, and for us as a product marketing team. Then the challenge became, okay, there are a lot of different tracks happening. 
How do we keep track of each product team and what they're working on? What's the metric they're trying to move? What experiments are they running? At what point will something need to be communicated to creators and which things maybe are things that can just go out silently because it's an experiment and it's not going to affect anybody. But that was a lot of work, keeping track of all of that and really figuring out when to communicate with creators. And we didn't always make the right decisions. You know, occasionally something would go out and it was like, oh, we really should have told creators about this two months ago because in fact, it Mm. did impact them in a way that we didn't predict. So that was a big challenge and just learning how to do that. And we worked on that a lot. At the same time, we're growing the team. So around that time, that was when I hired the third product marketer. So then it was me and, and three product marketers. And And then there's the challenge of figuring out really how to set up your team, how to structure the team and who would focus on what. Yeah, let's dive Um, into that because we have a lot of PMMs that ask that question around how do you know when is the right time to hire? How do you think Mm -hmm. about structuring that team? Because you're coming in, you're establishing it. It's just you and you're wearing a lot of different hats. You're Mm -hmm. putting out a lot of fires. You're trying to get frameworks process in place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that hiring gets kind of left out. You kind of like, oh yeah, I will get to that. Cause hiring, it takes a lot of energy. It takes, takes a lot a of time, time. and yes. it takes a long time. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it could take 90 days, right? Before you put up, actually start having the conversation internally to by the time you get someone in, right? Oh, longer. I think the third product marketer that we hired, it might've taken like six months to, for us wow. to finally find him. I have a pretty high bar. That's one thing I pride myself on is that I I hire well and I love my team. I have some amazing, smart, ambitious people. They're incredible. And so I am willing to take the time to find that right person. I think one of the rules of thumb that about is the ratio of product marketers to product managers. And I think it generally works in a sweet spot of about two to three product managers to every product marketer. Yes, there's a Nirvana someday when it would be one-to-one and that would be amazing. But we, we generally don't get to, to do that. But the ratio of two to three, that helps you just kind of envision what size your team should be and when you should hire. And then in terms of how to structure the team, I have this future vision that we're just not there yet, but we've got so many different types of creators using Patreon, but we have five key, we call them verticals. And so that's really similar to B2B marketing, where you really have these distinctive verticals of different industries that might use your product. Well, Patreon has video creators, so essentially like YouTubers, podcasters, musicians, visual artists, and writers. And then of course, there's a long tail of people who don't fit any categories. There's lots of combinations of those categories, but I would love to have a product marketer really focus and specialize on each of those verticals. We're not there yet. We don't really have five product marketers on the team yet. We have three, we're about to hire a fourth, but as it is, what we do is we're really assigning people now, and this is rather new, but we've got one person who is now on patron experience and two, soon to be three that are focusing on the creator experience, because that's another way you can segment our audience. You've got creators and you've got patrons. It's a two-sided marketplace. Yeah, very cool. I think that makes complete sense. I'm with you on that two to three. I'm used to uh, roughly three is what I'm mm-hmm. most used to. I mm-hmm. always feel bad for the PMMs that tell me they support like seven and you're like, wow. How do you do it? <laughs> yeah. That's a lot to keep organized. I, I hope you have some good yeah. like Asana boards or something, but I'd love to dive into yeah. this high bar, a high bar of hiring. You built out this team 
in six months. That can be daunting, right? I, I just need someone, but you haven't settled. And I'd love to understand about mm-hmm. this high bar, kind of like what you're looking for, maybe help listeners who maybe are thinking about interviewing or starting to be the first PMM, like what this high bar could look like. Yeah. I mean, one of the most important things to me is those soft skills. I want my team's brand to be, I want everyone to really enjoy working with my team. And we use this term cross-functional influence. You know, we all have heard that phrase. What does that really mean? I think it's someone who is just great at, you know, telling a story, having a conversation, being persuasive. So that's really a combination of skills, but I think it's great communication skills, the ability to be both analytical and creative, really be a problem solver. So I'll often ask about, tell me about a time when you drew an insight from data that you were able to turn into action and how you did that. So that really gives you that whole spectrum from the analytical to the creative and the problem. So those things are really, really important to me. And then of course, in addition, it's all the other things like you talk about how you put together a go-to-market plan and the kind of strategy side of things, but it, it often comes down to those soft skills and finding the person that I really believe the rest of Patreon will be excited to work with this person. Yeah. So I'm hearing a lot. I, I love the soft skills. Couldn't agree more. Love the interview question. That one, I love asking that one as well when hiring. Couldn't agree more. So many times you have to be able to draw those insights, whether that's from a dashboard, whether that's from a customer insight. There's many places you can get that insight, get that data, but tell me about it. And I think also just being able to articulate it, come back to me. What was the uh, ultimate result of that? And so Love that. Love storytelling. Love the internal communication. But I really like that last one too around the culture fit. And these are the people that you're going to be working with 40 hours a week. Plus, these are the people you're going to be around just as much and if not more than your family. So yeah, there has to be a fit. And for sure, kudos to you for holding out for six months. That's a good one too. Also a, a testament to that high bar for hiring. Totally. Let's dive in now too about prioritization. This is always a tricky one. You're coming in, you're establishing product marketing. There are a million things that you can tackle. How do you think about which ones to ultimately take on first? This is such a great question. I think about this all the time. And, you know, it's such a challenge because within product marketing, really like the universe of things that you could be working on or that you could own is absolutely vast. Like product marketing can look different at, at different companies, depending on the industry and the phase of growth. And just the list of like what product marketing could do is so long. Yes. Um, And so it's a big (laughs) challenge. And I'm always guilty of like wanting to do more. Oh, I wish I could own this or this thing really needs more love. And I wish I could put resources there, but you've got, you've got to prioritize. And so you really need to do your absolute best to get that 30,000 foot view of the business. And you've got to use your judgment about which things you think are going to have the most impact right now. And I think that's really all you can do. Try to zoom out, try to think, okay, what's really going to have the impact? What's most important right now to the business? And so just focus on those things. Yeah, I think the only thing, and I'll just kind of like add on to is be able to then defend it because you're going to be asked, why are you working on this? and not this. And so just being able to articulate why you chose it, show me something, the value that it's going to create. Maybe it's a mm-hmm. revenue number, maybe it's a process, whatever that may be. I'm always a fan of uh, OKRs and being able to kind of level those up into something so I can at least show how I'm helping the business is Absolutely. hugely beneficial. 
Yeah, we do that at Patreon and that really does help to know, okay, well, I know that the, the company's top three priorities for the next two quarters are X, Y, and Z. So I'm absolutely going to choose the things that really best ladder up to and contribute to those priorities. Yeah. And also helps you be defensible whenever other priorities come in, right? You're like, well, how is this impacting the company OKRs, right? And you can have a a very honest conversation. So I'm also a big fan of transparency. So I'm glad that Patreon's also doing some OKRs Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. uh, defining those things. But a question I had for you, because, you know, coming from Twitch, now at Patreon, I mean, a really great career within marketing and product marketing is what advice would you give PMMs that maybe want to establish product marketing? I think for me, even back in the days when I was a marketing generalist and kind of just getting started, I was always that weird marketer that would actually go and talk to the engineers because <laughs> I was really curious about just how things were built and what decisions were made and how were those decisions made and what were the trade-offs. And so I think one really, really important quality is curiosity. Always being curious, always trying to just like understand the business more deeply, understand the product, some of the technical challenges, understand the jobs of other people in the company. One of the things that I have told my team is that we're not trying to steal the CEO's job, but in a way, think of yourself as training to be the CEO. You really want to have that super broad view of the entire business and see the big picture better than anyone else so that you can really make those prioritization decisions and you can find ways to move the business forward and create value. Yeah. I talked about this with a uh, past people that I guess that have come on the show around like PMM being the future for like, at least like CMO. And just because mm-hmm. of that reason right there, it's this broad view, other teams, understanding those levers that mm-hmm. you can pull, being able to prioritize those levers, you're working cross-functionally. It's such a unique role and you mm-hmm. get this insight into the company and how to ultimately move the company forward. And Absolutely. so I'm, I'm, for those out there, please stay in it where we're in it. Like it, <laughs> it's only going to get more popular. And I think we'll see a, some really cool things uh, coming out of product marketing in the next five, 10 years. I'm definitely bullish on this role. For sure. And I think what's interesting too, is seeing how it's going to evolve over the next five, five or 10 years. For example, right now we're hearing so much about community and community driven companies. And we have to think about, okay, how are we as product marketers going to incorporate that idea? How do we like help create programs that bring our communities closer and where we can really learn from them and incorporate them into the product feedback process? Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm curious. I'm interested to see how that one plays out as well, because mm-hmm. you're hundred percent correct. I mean, even in the B2B world and you think of like communities like Datadog and you're like, what the heck is that? And you're like, wait, they have a full community and people love it. And it's like, yeah, they've built a community around this product. And so mm-hmm. I've got a friend at Terminus, he's their co-founder. And he says, uh, his quote is, without a community, you're just a commodity. And I just think 100% true, especially, I mean, look at Patreon. Every creator is building that community ultimately to support themselves. But so yeah, community and PMM. Maybe there'll be yeah. PMM slash community. Curious right. to see how that right. uh, unfolds. So been in product marketing now. I mean, two high-level companies, Twitch, Patreon, a lot of fun. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious now into the, the highs and lows, the thrills and the chills. This is what this podcast is all about. So when you think back 
Now, what are some of those thrills and some of those chills? Well, absolutely. Some of the thrills are just those big, exciting cross-functional projects, like big launches. Like I said, at Twitch, I really got a chance to do some of the high visibility projects like launching Bits, which is now a huge part of Twitch. The Twitch Prime, which if you look at the impact of that on streamers, the, the Twitch Prime free subscription has really grown revenue for streamers in a huge way. Just the fact that you're launching these big high visibility projects is really a thrill and a lot of fun and a chance to work with huge cross-functional groups of people. So that's one. But I'm also really loving just growing and learning as a leader. I love supporting my team. I love growing my team and seeing them grow in their careers. I'm learning to let go of control (laughs) (laughs) and really instead focus on empowering people to just take ownership over the things that they're working on. And that is so rewarding because it also frees you up to then do some of the more strategic work that you want to do. So that's a high for me, just really learning to become a better leader. And I try to take that with a beginner's mind and I'm always learning there. Yeah, definitely too. I couldn't agree more. Those are like some of the, when you think back on it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, those big launches, Twitch, and you think about something as like visible, even within the own company, but even just like my small product launches when I was at Series A, it was like such a big deal because it was like a, a rallying point for the whole company. I think that was yeah. something, even though there's only 30 of us, it was a ton of fun. Just getting everyone having fun, maybe like a Friday and you're just kind of kicking back and going, wow, what an exhausting week. We finally did it. But that momentum, that energy, it's such a thrill. Yeah, there's nothing like it. I remember even the day that we launched the new pricing for Patreon, there was a whole group of us in one room and we had made a playlist for the day and we were just (laughs) like watching how the numbers were turning out and just really excited that we had created something like that together. So now let's contrast. What are some of those, some of those chills, maybe some of those lows? Some minor lows and things that are just like my least favorite things are those like emergencies that you sometimes get looped into. And for some reason, you're the one that they call like there was a bug and it prevented thousands of accounts from launching. And now we need help to email those people. And you always want to help and you do. It's just like, oh, I hate being the bearer of bad news. And that's something that does happen. You're called on to just like help when there's a situation. So that's a low for product marketing. (laughs) Um, And I think- I've been there. So yes, keep going. Yeah, keep going. This is a good one. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And I think the other thing is, we touched on this before, but there's so many things that product marketing could own. And I personally will like often feel bad about the things that we just haven't been able to get to yet that I really want to get to. For example, even like what you would call sales enablement at a B2B company at Patreon, just providing more materials for that team that goes out and talks to creators. I've really for years wanted to put a lot more resources into that, making sure they have beautiful resources and just haven't quite gotten to the point where we can resource it yet. So that's always, I feel bad and I would want to do more. So that's a challenge for me. (laughs) <laughs> oh, those are two good ones. I, I, I can definitely relate to absolutely both of those. I can think back on at Cora. We know we had Cora ads and there was something that just glitched and you know it charged advertisers more money. And so you're like, hey, sorry, there was a glitch. We're refunding you the money. It's there. I mean, we made it right, but you still have mm-hmm. to, okay, let's write the paragraph and explain it succinctly, clearly without people getting upset. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> Losing trust. That's ultimately yeah. what you don't want. And so that one's always a tough one. That said, I will say, I'm really glad to have 
that, that the team came to product marketing as that mm-hmm. solution rather than trying to figure it out themselves. So I did I see agree. it as a positive of, oh, okay, we are evangelizing the role. They understand what I do. They understand how I can help, how I can provide yeah. value. So that was both sides of the same coin. And then of course, the last one, there's always so many things to do. There's always so many. We had a guest on and her boss eventually told her, you have to be okay with letting some fires burn. And I was like, because you're going to be putting out fires, but you'd have to just know, I can't get to those three. And you have to be okay with that. And that was like a really good summary of that first product marketer and kind of thinking through prioritization, being, you know, comfortable, being uncomfortable. So all those things wrapped up into that one little nugget. Absolutely. Yeah. And I can also tell a story about a low point in the pricing project. If that. Oh yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So as I mentioned, the project included a large scale survey and then several rounds of focus groups. And so after we got the survey data back, we poured over that and we worked really hard. We had lots of brainstorming sessions and we came up with our first proposal for the new packaging. And we thought we were close. We thought, okay, this is good. We might just have to tweak it a little bit, but we're in good shape. And it was the like, Good, Better, Best, where we had now three different packages of Patreon's features that were arranged into these three packages at different prices. We put those ideas in front of our first focus group in New York, and it did not go well at all. We wanted this new packaging and pricing to appeal to prospects primarily. We wanted to make sure that like when new creators came to Patreon, they would look at this and they would understand it and it would make sense to them. But what we realized in this focus group, and we were just pummeled, like you could imagine us sitting back there listening to people and just ripping apart this new packaging that we had put together. And what we realized listening to them talk is that for the prospects who are new to Patreon, the bigger barrier was in just understanding what Patreon was and how it works in the first place. Mm. So staring at a pricing chart with different features is like way too in the weeds for them. And so, yeah, that was just like baffling. They didn't understand it. So we realized, okay, we have kind of a different problem than what we thought. So we felt really defeated and we all went out for drinks and talked late into the night about what to do. And it was really a few rounds of whiskey later that we kind of hit on this idea that we thought could turn things around. So we went back, we worked on it and we eventually did figure it out. But that trip to New York and those focus groups where they just absolutely ripped apart our ideas was like (laughs) really hard. But then obviously it was super rewarding later when it really helped point us in the right direction. Uh, Oh, focus groups, customer research, focus groups. It's always a humbling experience, isn't it? Like Mm -hmm. you're, you're putting together what you think is such a great resource, product, pricing, whatever it may be. And then you take it out. Let's go and see what people think and just ripped. I mean, I've had customer advisory boards rip things, even like messaging. They're like, no, what? I mean, what? That makes zero. And you're like, I'm going to go cry now for a week, but you do get thicker skin. And ultimately it does lead to a better outcome, but in the moment and that it stings. It's hard, but it's so valuable. (laughs) I love it. Well, cool. Well, Robin, thanks again for coming on the Thrills and Chills podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. I wish you all the best of luck at Patreon Series F. It's only a matter of time before I see the IPO and you up there ringing the bell. And so I'm really excited for the future of the company, but also for your team. Oh, thanks for having me. It was really fun having this chat.
Thanks again. Please connect with Robin. We'll make sure to leave her LinkedIn and Sharebird profile links in the show notes. Go check those out. Go check out Patreon. Go be a creator yourself. That wraps up today's episode of Thrills and Chills. And again, thank you Clue for being a sponsor of this show because with Clue, you can build and deliver battle cards to help sales close more deals. Stay on top of your competitor strategies and measure your competitive program's impact to the bottom line. Don't just compete, compete to win with Clue. And a special thanks again to Sharebird for making this podcast possible. We'll see you all next Thursday.